Hello and welcome to the Dev Gen VR Podcast. My name is Sean and joining me as always is the one and only Dante Buffman. Mr. Buffman, man, how are we? I'm so good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, just came back and you might notice that I look pretty chirpy. I uh, just came off a personal best for a 3.7k run because I was wondering when you were coming over. You said 3.54. No, I, I said like, 5.54. 5.54. If it was 3.54, I'd be approximately three hours late. And then I was like, you know, I can squeeze in a run, but I have to go fast. And then I was, I was making pretty good pace and I was like... I can fucking do this. And then just kept up the pace. Personal best. Um, Where'd you go? I'll put it here, champion. I go uh, I go just run around Merry Creek um, and get off at various intervals if, uh, you know, depending on how far I want to run. But um, yeah, and because I was feeling good when I was running, I did uh, my favorite thing to do when I'm running around Merry Creek is that every single time I'm like, huh, huh, running past, I'll stick the thumb up at another runner as they walk past. <laughs> and yeah, you get a, you get a whole bunch of different responses. Um, some of them, like usually just sort of like the middle-aged dudes that just like, you know, are wearing bright shirts and love their lives. Like, oh my God, he's stuck the thumb up. Yeah, mad respect to this guy. Um, then you get some like really serious people who are wearing like, what do you call those sunnies? The... The pit vipers. The pit vipers. What, that, bi- that, 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 that copper on a bicycle? Yeah. The other day. yeah the pit vipers. Sometimes you get those dudes that are like, don't fucking, I'm in the fucking zone. Don't look at me, man. Yeah. And uh, every now and again, you just get someone go, huh? And they slow down for a little bit. You doing that is so violently in character. <laughs> like, it's so ridiculously. Like, if, if someone told me that someone that I knew was doing that on the Mary Creek, I would say you without, without even a hesitation. I love interactions where I can be a little bit weird and then never see someone ever you're listening again to mu- you're listening to music yeah yeah okay. I, I can't run without music yeah when I've, tried, to? I've tried oh, it's all just like fast techno shit yeah. I, I can't listen to podcasts I can't listen to any slow stuff it has to be put on uh, I'll send you a link I'll send you a SoundCloud link mm. um, a, I see the thing a with Georgian SoundCloud. DJ called NDRX yeah. um, played a set uh, at Bassiani which is in Tbilisi Right. Is it like great running like music. half an hour or it's an hour? Yeah, yeah. All right, great send, running music. Send it to me. Um I just I've I've gone the SoundCloud thing and I don't have SoundCloud premium or go or whatever. Yeah. So I'll just be running, flicking between the tracks, and then all of a sudden I'll just get like a fucking navy advert. Nah, but you know what you gotta do? If you listen to like longer tracks, yeah, you, you don't get pretty ads. much don't get ads. Yeah. Right. So if you're listening to something that's an hour plus, um, you're not getting ads at all. Whereas if you're listening to like three to four minute songs you're just gonna get smashed with that it's, yeah, 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 it's yeah. a loophole yeah alright cool well send that to me after the pod but now we're actually in a podcast and we're recording so freaking basketball the podcast. last time we spoke we were sitting on the top bunk of a little uh, hostel in Sydney and um, how do you shout wanna... out to Mad Monkey in, <laughs> in Sydney Chippendale yeah um, how do you wanna how do you wanna sum up the trip um, on this pod someone vomited in the sink <laughs> I clogged the toilet <laughs> Um, those are probably the highlights. <laughs> no, it was it was awesome. When when we spoke, I think we had maybe watched the quarterfinals. Yeah, it was, we we just beat Belgium. And the basketball only got better after that. I mean, makes so much better. Makes, makes sense. sense. But, yeah. but Australia versus um, China. China on on the, the the second last night in the conference finals in the in the the ECF um, or the RCF. For those who know what we're talking about, the Ryden Conference. Uh, it was fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, Australia choked pretty hardcore. Yeah. With a two-point lead and possession. 
in the final minute to lose by two points. Yeah. Um, Committing a foul of 20 seconds to go well, getting stri- on a jump getting shot. Getting stripped at half court. <coughs> yeah. To, for the tie game. I mean, um, it was either methodical by China or a trick and it wasn't on And it wasn't a shooting foul on the jump shot. That's what made it so bad. China was in the bonus. Mm. And instead of just kind of like letting letting the defen- letting the, the, the driver from the perimeter go past her, the Sammy Whitcomb, the Australian guard, just... Just got in her way and stuck her arms out, and it was the most obvious block I've ever seen. Mm. And um, yeah, free throws and China nailed them. Anyway, awesome game, mm. so good. China's bigs in the semi-final and the final. Um, they had a six foot ten, which we call the woman's footer, Han Shu. <laughs> she just d- lit up Australia for like twenty-two points and ten boards mm. or something crazy mm. like that. And defensive presence. And then in the final against the USA. Um, Lee Yuru, like a bit of a mauler, bit of a like a throwback post player. They were just getting her inside, and she was just so patient with her post moves. And she's going up against Asia Wilson and Brianna Stewart, um, and Brianna Jones as well, and just just like mm. working them. And mm. she she ended up with must have ended up with like twenty points, mm. you know, close to ten boards. Like it was really in a thirty point loss. Yeah, but China played it as well as you could possibly play. For the first time, like China yeah. actually played really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they still they and they didn't lose by thirty. They only lost by twenty because the discussion yeah, Dante was Dante the gambling guy on the line all day. Yeah, the that discussion, was weird. The discussion was between um, myself, Nick, and Angus, uh, our friends who we were travelling with, was if the line for over under was set at twenty three point five. What are, you, what are you doing? And I was smashing the over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was over in the fourth quarter. And I was like, we're not looking back from here. But, but China rallied and got <laughs> yeah, it under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Fujitsu and all that. Um, yeah, Dante, Dante speaking gambling on a trip away with the boys wasn't on my bingo card. But. Nah, but we're not talking gambling. <laughs> no, no, we're talking maths. You, you were just looking at to see how, how favoured America were. Um, but yeah, great trip, great basketball. And like packed stadiums, like that China-Australia game, I think there was like 15,000 people yeah. there. Um, uh, but honestly, like we can talk about it and we both enjoyed our time there. But obviously, friend of the program, Lucas Petridis from the JVG oh, NBA Tribute Show, uh, he had unbridled access um, to more <coughs> to more than just the basketball court. Um and he used it and asked heaps of questions. And if you go and check out the JVG feed, which I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably know what it is. And if you don't, check it out. Um, Lucas and Marco did a nice little sort of... They, they recorded a podcast over there where they were just going for a bit of a joy, joy ride. Um, but also Lucas just uploaded all of his um, interviews that he that he did while he was there. So go check that out. Um, speaking to actual professional basketball players, pretty cool. Yeah, definitely pretty cool. And also like you know you mentioned this on the podcast we did from the dorm room bunk bed but Lukey was telling us the whole week because he was there before us that the stadium the Kudos Bank Arena or the Q gets really loud and during during the final and the semi-final China-Australia it was so loud mm. like the, the Chinese fans really brought it and in the semi-final the atmosphere was just so elite because the Chinese fans were bringing it and then there were heaps of Aussies there as well and we were all just like nah we're not we're not taking this line down. Like we're yeah. going to get into it as well. Yeah. Um, so that was really fun. And also just the setup for the media was like, they had like a big media deck on a, like a raised platform behind one of the baskets. 
We could just stay Lukey the whole time. Mm. We're just looking at him. He's sitting there with all the media. He's got his lanyard on. Um, <laughs> he's, he's got it on over his shoulder. He's wearing his big, junky lanyard as a bum bag um, <laughs> over his shoulder. And then he kept on saying, no, 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 all the media people are doing it. And like, bro, we can look at We're every media person. They're all wearing suit and shirts. Yeah. And they all have it around their, around their But neck. it was a nice, a nice added element to be able to like look down from the fourth you know from the absolute nosebleeds where we were sitting half the time oh half the time we were sitting on level yeah. two as well but it was good to be able to look down and say say Lucas it was like another added um, <laughs> yeah another added uh, layer did, did you have fun on the trip overall yeah I had fun on the trip um, a little bit tired um, a lot went on because not only were we watching two games of basketball a day and <laughs> exploring Sydney in the morning uh, we were going out at night so it was nice to come back and I've spent the past couple of days just recharging the batteries oh, Dante man. you gotta do it you gotta um, do it but yeah I did but should, should we move on because as, as we said um, for for a greater coverage of that event check out the JVG feed um, before we do talk about the week's news because there's been heaps of news as teams return to training camp agents start to get in the same room with some front office members um, I wrote an article about my very own Golden State Warriors Flex um, the reigning NBA champions just talking a little bit about the, the two windows discussion that we've been talking about for it seems three three or four years now um, and I think that this season is the crossover between the two windows and, and Bob Myers and the front office have made it clear that they are going to see this project through to the end um, and look you know, if you've come this far you may as well keep on doing it but I just sort of look at a lot of the major questions surrounding the Golden State Warriors next season uh, and give a little bit of a prediction on what they might do next season with um, you know whether that be Jordan Poole's extension what Clay Thompson's going to look like with a full season under his belt or entering a full season um, and whether they can win yet another NBA championship. So, and where can we find that? Uh, the URL's hard hard to remember, but I'll give it a crack. Uh, I think it's the deep com. Is there any hyphens in there or any numbers? Nah, no, hyphens. Whoa! I literally just typed the deep two com <laughs> into my web browser of choice, and it came, it came up. Far out, there it dude! Is. You got such a zoom on your screen. Yeah, that's what the hell. It's just that it's just at a hundred percent. Oh, hmm. See, I just I zoomed out. And that's a hundred. Yeah, right. Well, you got a high, you got a higher zoom or no? Nah, no, nah, look, I'll address that later. Maybe I'm going blind. I no, think I'm no, going no, deaf. No, that's actually just made me think of something I need to do for the website. So don't worry about that. Let's move on to the news. Unless you want to talk about the, the article. Oh, I thought you were going to say unless you want to talk about our, our, our screen zoom anymore. Um, we've also got an article coming out from Lucas um, about his experience uh, and some of the things that he learned from the Women's World Cup later in the week. So mm-hmm. keep your eyes peeled uh, for that. Obviously, it'll be up in our socials, but you can find that, as we mentioned, at thedeep2.com. All right. So a little bit has been going on we're now 13 days away from the start of the NBA season preseason is in full swing the Phoenix Suns lost to an NBL team um, <laughs> also last, an NBL team that shot over 50% from three the last uh, NBA team to can I lose. can I guess can I guess was it the Brooklyn Nets in 2015 yeah. fuck I'm good do you want to guess what the Brooklyn Nets in 2015 uh, 2015's 16's record was uh, was that Jarrett Jack at point guard? I don't know, but you can guess the record if you want. Uh, 27 and the other number. Nah, worse. 21 and 61. <laughs> Sounds just like him. And they, uh, they pulled the third overall pick and had to send it to Boston, mm. who used it to pick... 
Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, exactly. So, bodes very poorly for Phoenix that the last time this happened seven years ago. Um, <laughs> what number did it start with? Win total, it started with a two. Uh, <laughs> fingers crossed that doesn't happen. But I think the juiciest place to start, and we're going to go out of order here, I think the juiciest place to start is that um, Tyler Hero mm-hmm. of the Miami Heat has signed a four-year, $130 million extension a few weeks before the extension deadline, that coming from Adrian Ro- Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. It's more than Anthony Simons. It's more than Jalen Brunson. And it's also more than everyone's favorite potential future all-star, Rowan Barrett. No, we wouldn't trade him for Donovan Mitchell. Um, so it's more than all of those guys. And whether he's better than those players, mm. I think is an interesting conversation. But the thing hanging out there, the other shooter drop, particularly, um, I think, from your perspective, as the Warriors fans, Jordan Poole is still unsigned, less mm. than two weeks out from, the, from the, the contract extension deadline. If he doesn't sign, he'll go into restricted free agency next summer. Um, so let's start with what, what does this mean for Jordan Poole, this, this hero extension Poor at Poor Tyler Hero just signs at a $100 million contract and he's not even the headline of his own news, but that's, that's fine because Jordan Poole. Um, so like, Nate Duncan compared Tyler Hero and Fernie Simons and Jordan Poole as three sort of young scoring guards who, you know, maybe <coughs> maybe their best role on a championship team is coming off the bench, but, you know, there is that all-star potential where it's like, okay, maybe if they, let's just say... Well, I mean, I would debate that heavily for Anthony Simons. Right, so, but there's those three guys and they're all in that same sort of archetype. I think that Jordan Poole's the best player out of all three of those players. Yeah. Um, but I think this, this Tyler Hero extension more than sets the precedent for what Jordan Poole should be asking for. Yeah. And if he goes in and says to Bob Myers in the Warriors front office, um, Tyler Hero got that. I'm better than Tyler Hero. I think I've got a better future than Tyler Hero. Give me that. And that could be seen as a little bit of a discount as well. Um, a discount, a lot of money for a dude who's coming off the bench. I think you sign that immediately. And I think it's actually awesome that there is this precedent here in Tyler Hero um, where it's like, okay, this is a dude who could, you could argue from you know, from the agent's perspective that this is a guy who could be, he could argue that he's going to be an all-star and all-NBA player just like Jordan Poole. And the fact that he's taken this number, which is, it's a little bit less than the max, I believe. I think the max would be 157. Um, uh, and that's, fucking awesome lock it up do it Jordan Poole like there is now a precedent here it's been done just sign the fucking contract so but do you think that, that do you think that he'll be asking for more though no I, I don't think so I mean I think he could but like you know at the end of the day he did just win a title by coming off the bench like we've, we haven't seen him in a role where he's, he's featured more prominently than that if he if he was starting um, you know in, in every single game in the finals it's okay he's a much bigger piece than what he is but I think like you know he, he had an exceptional regular season but he's still not you know maybe maybe he wasn't one of the, the five best players on this team last year which is like you know a very very good team with lots of very good players um, and maybe he can get there one day yeah, he de- I mean, I mean, he definitely can. And for this two windows thing to work out, he's currently the best of the young players on the roster. And mm. it's not even particularly close. He's mm. the only young player on the roster who's con- consistently produced in big minutes. Mm. Um, and who, who's had a, a season like the one he just had, he just had putting up, you know, 20-odd points a game. Yeah. And being a genuine six-man-of-the-year contender. 
Um, whether he has the highest ceiling out of guys like Kaminga and Wiseman, I mean, that's anyone's guess. The other thing as well is that any deals that are signed, like, now are going to be good value in one to two years, regardless of if they're actually... Regardless if the player right now is worth 30 million a year, mm. or in Hero's case, I think it works out to about 32.5 a year. Mm. Probably, he's probably not worth 30 million a year right now. Yeah, He's probably worth something more in the region of 25. Mm. But because the cap's going to go up by leaps and bounds again over the next like five years, I think it's going to be 8% raises in the cap. 8.4% for the next two years. 8.4, there you go. That's going to be like hugely good value. Mm. Um, and it's not like we haven't seen this before. We literally saw this in 2016 where it's like, oh, holy crap. Every long-term deal that was signed in 2015, 14, 13, it's still going on. It's like, that is exceptionally cheap. And like, you know, the the example that everyone points to, which is a little bit of an unfair example because Steph Curry signed on a discount, but he signed on a discount on the old cap. And then as soon as the cap went up, that was like a teeny, teeny, tiny He won deal. the MVP making $11 million yeah. a year. But like, if, yeah, if, if, if you don't think Jordan Poole, you know, let's say Tyler Eric has actually been signed, if you don't think he's worth that, Maybe so. Let's that would be like you know around twenty percent of what the t- what the team's cap is or something, right? Let's let's just say it's a figure, and you're like, oh, he's not really worth twenty percent of everything we can give away. It's like, okay, well, he's soon going to be worth eighteen percent, and it's just a little bit better and a, a tiny little tiny little value add that you will never get. Like this, this, these these things are so hard to predict. You don't know when the next TV deal is coming up. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, and this is just a piece of value that you can grab onto, and it just, I mean. It just makes sense to do it, but I can understand, and I'm sort of giving away a little bit of my Jordan Poole segment in the article there, but like, it's not like it's the worst case scenario if, you, if Jordan Poole doesn't sign it because he's going to be a restricted free agent next season, and then he would still be, he would still have that exceptional value that you sign um, the, the following off season. But like, it just, just for team morale, just for like certainty in your mind, just do it now. Yeah, well, I mean, for him, like the opportunity to lock in life-changing money yeah. is there. I mean, he can go into restricted free agency and try and get a max, but the, mm. the upside when you're being offered almost a max, if he is indeed like being offered something in the vicinity of 130, the upside of like going for the max when you're being offered mm. almost the max mm. versus what can happen to you over an 82 game season if you get injured or if your play declines, um, mm. it's not doesn't 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 appear to really be worth it. The Warriors would definitely be hoping to lock him up, not just because of the financial implications which we've discussed, but also because there's so much uncertainty for this team beyond this season with Draymond's Draymond's up for an extension. Clay is going to be an unrestricted free agency. Wiggins is up for an extension. So this team could look radically different because the whole thing of the two windows is that you transition from one to the other. So having Poole locked in at a number that's going to look really good within one to two seasons is like important. Mm. Um, Just out of interest, um, how would you rank the, the... the quadrumvirate. What's the, what would be the word for four? Triumvirates for three. Quadrumvirate. Quartet. Quartet of the the remaining players. No, how would you how would you quadrumvirate? What would you do? Swaggy Paul, Anthony Simons, Jalen Brunson, and RJ Barrett. Jordan Poole, Jalen Brunson, Rowan Barrett, and Anthony Simons. And throw Tyler Hero in the mix. Jordan Poole. Jalen Brunson, Rowan Barrett, 
Tyler Hero. Mm. So Tyler Hero is the highest paid of the bunch. Yeah. And he's not. I'm really high on Jalen Brunson. And maybe, I think I think it's a coin toss between Rowan Barrett and Tyler Hero. For what it's worth, Jalen Brunson's the only one who's proven to be an actual good player <laughs> yeah. in the postseason. Because yeah. Tyler Hero, outside of his rookie season, has been diabolically bad yeah. in um, in the postseason. Paul was inconsistent and was played off the floor at times during the Warriors championship run. I think that's a little bit unfair because he is a young dude. Like He's a young dude who's not a, he's never going to be a plus defender because of no, his size. No, but I mean, that's what we're talking about. I know, but like, Brunson, you, you, get, you get switched Brunson, on to fucking Jason Tatum. Him in the finals, no, no, but most people are going to. Well, struggle. Brunson wasn't getting Brun- that wasn't happening to Brunson, and Brunson has the exact same limitations defensively that Paul does. Yeah, okay, um, that's true. So Brunson is the one that has proven like I can get you twenty and six every game in the playoffs, yeah. and like be on the court for thirty. And looks minutes. good doing it. Looks great doing it. Um, Simons is the odd one out here. I'm, I'm in. Oh, I'm Simon, in, Simon's just isn't that good. I'm um, an immense, <laughs> I'm an immense Anthony Simons skeptic. But the thing is, with 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 the cap increasing the way that it's going to like Simons is on a four year $100 million deal our idea of what a $25 million player is now in two seasons that's like like that player is about to become like a $37 million player so Mm -hmm. like Simons being locked up on $25 million now is like Mm -hmm. but in two years that's the the second half of that contract is going to be insane value Um, because if you know if he gets any better than he currently is, which which he will, because he's still only twenty three or twenty four years old, um, you know the the value on that is going to be insane. So mm. teams just should be locking out their players, mm. and not for nothing. Cough cough. DeAndre Ayton signed the max on this cap, so he, so DeAndre, like that's that's another benefit to maybe letting Jordan Poole go to free agency because obviously the max like a DeAndre Aiden can sign with another team is like, you know, what is it like all up being $20 million less or something around there than what they could sign with their own team. And and the year. And the year, which the year really hurts. You get a Gordon Hayward situation. But if you're, if you're the Warriors, <coughs> when you're trying to penny pinch while also trying to win a title, letting Jordan Poole go elsewhere, sign a max extension elsewhere and then match it just makes that 8.4% rate even juicier. Mm. I just don't like it because I'm just no. I mean, you want your yeah. you want your guys to feel like they're being taken care of. Yeah, it's the yeah, Denver yeah. Nuggets philosophy. You want to you want to lock up your guys and let them know that you're valuable to us, and we want to pay you what mm. you're worth. Mm. Well, um, can I can I butt in there? And I've written down Malik Beasley here because it's just something I've always remembered. Um, and I I think this is the the first player that I've really actually thought about this theory when it when it comes up where Malik Beasley was a great bench player for the Denver Nuggets under Tim Connolly and, and under Michael Malone, and then in the fourth year of his rookie deal, like he was the first wing coming off the bench. He was a great three and D player, super athletic, um, and then he got traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves in his fourth year, and it was simply just a salary dump. So mm. they they joined in to the. Um, Clint Capella and then uh, Robert Covington, like that that whole four team. That was a three team trade, um, and then and then Minnesota were in there as well, just taking some salaries. That turned into a four team trade because Tim Connolly was like, "Oh crap, crap! Here's a couple of seconds. Can you take our guys off our hands?" And Minnesota, looking for talent, were like, "Oh yeah, we'll take a three and D wing." And they, they took Wancho as well, who turned out not to be good at basketball. Bo Cruz, Bo Cruz, he's a good actor. Um, I actually had a debate on the weekend about whether he was a good actor. Nah, he was good. For a basketball player, he was good. He was great, actually. Okay, well, I don't rate Oscars on if they're basketball players or not. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's Adam Sandler. 
<laughs> you know, what are we? What, what, what kind of scale are we judging? Judging Wancho um, against DR. So when Malik Beasley was traded, I was like, "What the? What the flip? Right? What like, the flip? why? Why have they just traded away a really promising young three and D player? Yeah, he was like, like he was like twenty. He was like position 23. of need, young. Like, what the hell? Tearing it up. He was putting in like sixteen a game as well, and he was good in the playoffs. Yeah. In, the, in the playoff series beforehand, because like he was going like he had to he had to try and get ahead of Will Barton. So as soon as you just get this dude, stop jacking threes. <coughs> taking shots out of the rhythm of the offense. It was like, please put the 3 and D who's like sensible in there. Um, but then Minnesota re-signed him for like, I think it was like four for 40 or something like that. I think it was four for 48. Four for 48. And then he went to prison. <laughs> um, but before he went to prison, he was on the trading block because yep. as soon as they signed him, as soon as he wasn't the 22nd pick who was just brilliant value on a rookie contract, mm. as soon as he put pen to paper, it was like, oh, Hang on, now we've got real money and real expectations for this guy who isn't actually like as good as we want. And no, he- but I mean, like, like he also was just not as good in Minnesota. He, it wasn't he's like still hitting threes though, and like he's he's lost a little bit of athleticism, but he was still hitting threes. He was still doing good stuff. He's now he now plays for the Utah Jazz wearing their ugly jerseys. But it just it just wasn't like it was like oh okay now this is just a guy this is just a role player and instead of getting that supreme value of a three and D wing getting paid two million dollars a year you've got a three and D wing who's getting paid ten million dollars a year and he's coming off the bench and you're like hold on this is a lot of money that no one else wants to take mm. I wonder if there's a little bit of that with Tyler Hero where it's like Tyler Hero oh my god six man of the year look what he did in the bubble like this dude's amazing like how are they getting this explosion of points and all this offense off the bench for a dude who's still in his rookie contract and it's like wow 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 Tyler Hero maybe he can even be an all-star but now that he's signed this contract if he's not an all-star it's like oh okay so if you're not an all-star if you're not like a guy like doing that sort of that, giving up that sort of production is anyone going to want to trade for you and all of a sudden is that are you a negative value on that contract well the flip side of that is I think like I've got like an A and a B point and the the, the A point is well if he is an all-star then his contract just got so much more tradable because the problem with they were putting his name in every trade rumor um, for potential want away stars mm. Kevin Durant um, over the summer or I should say over the winter since we're in the southern hemisphere um, but because of his contract because he's only getting paid like four or five million dollars easy throwing you had to you had to you had to attach Kyle Lowry's contract mm. or find someone to take Duncan Robinson's money just to even get anywhere near max money now he's on near max money. Mm. You can do if he turns out to be good. You can do like a the one trade. For one. You can do the trade that you want, like one for one with picks easily. Like you can get the next guy. Mm. Um, and then the B point is if he's not good, still he's a big contract. He's a big number. And if you can find the assets somewhere else on the roster, mm. with the Heat, it's difficult because they don't actually <laughs> have many other assets. Yeah. But if hypothetically you could, then you've got the salary right there. And like he's young enough and has performed well enough that I think in a year's time, even if he's kind of underwhelmed this season, some team will be like, yeah, I mean, we could definitely see him as like part of a a deal for, um, you know, that for, for our, our star. Like if there's a team like Utah that wants to take on, yeah. wants to get rid of their team, you know, blow everything up. Like Tyler Hero is the perfect like Colin Sexton heavy <laughs> um, addition to, you know, they don't, they don't care about the money. They just need the numbers to work and Tyler Hero can come in there and take like 40 shots a game. And also mm. just like quietly, 
Wouldn't Tyler Hero playing in Utah just be <laughs> the absolute best? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess that's the pushback of my point because Tim Connolly in Denver did a great thing where he would get this value in the late in the late first round, and if he wanted to re-sign Monty Morris, he goes, "Okay, I will." But he always knew that he could just flip these guys and then just draft another one. That's going to be your next contributor for the next four years. Flip yeah. it again, another contributor. That's fine if you want a rotation player coming off the bench. Maybe come off the bench in the playoffs. But Tyler Hero can be a star, and he was a six man of the year. That is different than just finding Malik Beasley to play ten minutes. Again. Well, yeah, it is. It is different, but the the stakes involved with Tyler Hero are different again, though, because it's not like drafting someone and cycling through and flipping them. Like, if Tyler Hero is not good, um, you know, despite what I said about his his contract number being able to kind of like fit in there, like that's bad mm. and what we've seen thus far is that Tyler Hero actually is really good but his game is so reliant on his perimeter shooting and his work around the perimeter that if that um, if that falls off and he doesn't compensate for it by improving inside the arc and particularly in the restricted area where he rarely gets mm. um, then he's more susceptible than other young players to like a drop off like mm-hmm. um because he's because he's so reliant on that without having the the counters or the other like complementary parts of his game necessarily in terms of how he looks to score, mm. you know every player at some point has that season where they shoot thirty three percent from three. Yeah. And if that's if that's can this I, season, can I just say in doing a bit of research for the Warriors article, Clay Thompson shot thirty nine percent from three last year. That was the lowest of his career. Yeah, which is that's pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> well, Steph Curry did the same thing as well, didn't, didn't he? Last season, yeah, it was like career low thirty six. Yeah, and he's taken them all off the dribble. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, there's a little bit, little bit more risk with Hero than there is with with um, you know someone like you know guys that we're talking about, like a Simons, mm. like a Brunson, because Simons and Brunson are both proven to be able to get inside at a reasonable degree, yeah, and use that to kind of like supplement their outside scoring. Um, all three of them amazing outside scorers, but um, yeah, like like Hero, despite being really really good and showing that he's really really good. Um, I think he's he's at I don't think that he's like gonna be bad but I think he's at a higher risk of like a one season dip yeah I yeah, think that yeah. like a season where he's like not shooting well and averages like 14 points a game mm-hmm. is more likely for him than for any of these other guys um, let's move on to another piece of news is that cool yeah it's your <laughs> bloody podcast <laughs> it's, it's half my podcast um Next big piece of news from the week, um, which isn't really a, a camp rumor, um, is that the Boston Celtics won't stand in the way of another team who want to make Ime Odoka their head coach, either this year or in the future. Again, news coming from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. Um, I'll read the <coughs> two paragraphs here that I'll read. Uh, said, quote, rival teams are trying to gather a preliminary preliminary understanding of the full explanation before looking into signing him. Full stop. Adoka had an improper workplace relationship with a woman who he reportedly used crude language with prior to them becoming intimate. Um, We still don't know so much. This is still so vague. But the fact that the Celtics have said... Like the f- the fact that the Celtics gave out this ban, and then people have started to say, "Hey, is he like a free agent coach now?" And they're like, "Yeah, fucking have him." What the fuck has happened? <laughs> yeah, this is one of the strangest <coughs> stories of recent NBA times because although it's not unusual for vague shit to pop up, 
initially mm. um, like it did when it, you know the reporting from Woj and then from Shams like shortly after was mm. that Adoka is going to be suspended for for a long time for like a violation of team policy. That yeah. was in the initial response. That in itself is not unusual. Yeah. What is unusual is the fact that in in the you know the the next three weeks there's been no other information essentially other than this crude language nugget that's yeah. come to light to explain um, the length of the suspension. A one year suspension is like unheard of, particularly for a coach. Uh, <coughs> Usually these stories is like vague at the start and then, you know, the guys really get their, their teeth sunk in. Mm. Um, and the two things that I think are possibilities from like the media side of things is that the Celtics are really, really not letting anything get out. And this is a very, very much like a, a, a an absolute top level, like need to know basis because it's really, really bad. Yeah. Um, and so they're, they're, there's no possibility for leaks because only a few people inside the organization actually know the truth. Yeah. Or it's so bad that the nugget-hungry newsbreakers <laughs> of the NBA media cognoscenti have decided not to report it, which I doubt. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, yeah, that's, Wojin, it's Wojin, not that one. Wojin's um having the, you know, deciding to take the moral high ground and not report it is unlikely. So that leads leads me to believe that it's not getting out because the Celtics are keeping it in. And if they are keeping mm. it in, it must be... Well, to be, to be fair, I'll criticise Woj a bit here and say that Woj did quite a little bit of water carrying for CAA, as oh, he always but, does. Yeah, a, I mean, and, and these he folks love to carry the water. No, but like, these but, but Woj... Strap- Woj, Woj was the drum, one being vogue. Woj. Strap a drum <laughs> on Woj and Sham's back. But sit them underneath the tap and turn <laughs> it on before you send them up the hill because these works are carrying the water. But they're carrying for different teams here. So the Woj carrying the water for CAA, who Emerdoka is or slash was a client. Um, so he Woj was the first one to make it extremely vague, and then Sham's went in there with his but a bucket of water. And then came out and, and Shams was the one who found out the stuff about the crude uh, the crude language. But like on top of all of that, the timing of this is just crazy because if they had known that this was going to happen, they were going to suspend him and then potentially let someone just steal him as a head coach. They would not have let Will Hardy walk for free and go to Utah as a goodwill. Like, hey, you're <coughs> the you're the best young assistant in the league. Good on you. Go off and do wonderful things and do the the Boston Celtics coaching tree proud. If they knew that Emo Doka had done this crude language, let's say, and, and had this improper relationship, then they would have been like, oh, hold on, Will. You might actually be the fucking head coach of the Boston Celtics next because we're going to need you. So the timing is just super strange. And this is such a weird situation. Yeah, well, they are, like you said, they obviously didn't know about it. But what I like, what I keep thinking about with the, the vagary of the details, because what we know is he had a, an improper consensual affair yeah. with a female subordinate staffer of the Boston Celtics and that that affair was precipitated by the use of this crude language. One can only imagine what kind of interpersonal dynamic that was, that there was concerning crude language being used in the work facility and then a consensual relationship was kickstarted from that. I mean, that in and of itself is so fucking vague. <laughs> I'm not going to speculate at all. But you think about other like cultural um, bombs that have dropped in the NBA over the last five seasons. 
talking about the Sava report with the Suns, that was the that was the product of like investigative investigative journalism. But still, think about how much texture and detail we had about that. Yeah. The Mark Cuban um, and the Dallas Mavericks sexual assault stuff going on. The Danny Ferry racism stuff in Atlanta. Like all of these have happened over the last five years that have resulted in people being fired from high profile roles or resigning mm. and they were all like fleshed out in much more detail because the information accumulation power of the NBA media is almost unmatched because there's so you know to bring back like a year 10 bio kind of <laughs> stuff the wall you know it, it, traditionally there's this idea of like you got the teams and the media and they're separated by a wall and they sometimes cross over but realistically it's more like a semi-permeable membrane <laughs> Which is in, which is something to do with cells. I don't know. But a semi-permeable membrane, there's crossover between the two constantly. It allows processes like osmosis to happen. Media people are going in and out of teams. Team people are getting fired and going to the media for two years and coming back. They all know each other. They all socialize. So that's how there's so much information that just gets out. People leak because it suits them, because it serves their purposes. Reporters ask questions, etc., etc. And the fact that we're like three weeks removed from the show, there's still nothing. <laughs> yeah. From anyone, like from 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 nobody with a vested interest, because despite who's carrying the water for who, there are other newsbreakers yeah. in the business who you know might potentially jump on something like this, and there are also like um, people at various mastheads. That that thrive on this kind of like mm, like TMZ like yeah. why, why have they? Well, I'm not thinking. I'm not even thinking TMZ. I'm thinking like I'm thinking you know like ESPN, The Ringer. You don't want to say The Ringer because it involves the Boston Celtics, <laughs> but um, people who once the story's out dive deeper and peel the layers back and get the information. There's been nothing. <laughs> yeah, surely there's been nothing. So I don't know how teams are supposed to undertake preliminary investigations to figure out essentially is this guy a cunt (laughs) and is he too much of a cunt that we can't hire him because as we have covered last offseason being an asshole and being a bad person particularly when it involves your treatment of women in the NBA is no uh, not nothing does nothing to exclude you from coaching jobs. We've seen that with Jason Kidd. We've seen that with Chauncey Billups. Mm. Um, but I don't know, given the absolute vagary of all the information out there, how teams are supposed to put together a fleshed out picture of what this guy is actually like on the inside. Mm. Um, other than looking at the fifty-one and thirty-one record and a trip to the finals <laughs> as a rookie head coach. Well, you picked their over, didn't you, in the over-unders? Yeah, and, and I and potentially potentially would have done change it different <laughs> um, if I knew that it was going to be Joe, what's his name? Joe Mazzola. Yeah, Joe Mazzola. So, hey, Joey! <laughs> hey! Hey, Mikey, you seen Joey Mazzola? Hey! Yeah. Anyway, um, 
eh? So, yeah, I, I picked the under, and I'm just looking better, because not only do you have Rob Williams out for two to three months, you've got this whole coach thing going on. You've got the fact that Jalen Brown was dangled in trade rumors for a month with no fucking Dangled questions. is a funny word, don't you think? Um, and then you've got Marcus Smart, who said he's the point guard. We don't need a point guard. Get undermined by ringing in Mal- Malcolm Brogdon. It's right. Malcolm Brogdon will miss three quarters of the season through injury anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good, because the vibe seemed pretty shit in Boston. Well, uh, I'm, I'm happy that... Um, Something so nebulously nefarious is making you feel happy. Glad that you have figured out the secret to getting good feelings out of potentially nasty things. Well, at the end of the day, all that matters is death taxes and our over-unders. Seriously. One day, <laughs> one season, I'll win an over-under. One season. Um, all right, let's say final piece of news because the pod's gone on for a minute. Is that right? No, we're, we're cruising. We're not, we're not 40 minutes, but I reckon I reckon this is probably... The only other news the only other we can news, talk yeah. about. Um, <coughs> Larry Nance has signed a two-year, $21.6 million extension with the New Orleans Pelicans. Again, Woj of ESPN. Um, wow, this guy is really <coughs> carrying some... He's carrying some water. What are your What are your thoughts? When you, well, let's, let's also... Uh, a Stephen Adams extension I probably no. shouldn't have said anything but yeah what, no. are, what are your thoughts on Larry Nance uh, signing this extension NBA teams looking for forward depth at the trade deadline weep because <laughs> Larry Nance can't be traded for this entire season um, yeah I, I'm, I mean Larry Nance is an awesome player does it make heaps of sense to me that you want your first forward off the bench to not be a fantastic shooter and operate better kind of close to the basket and at the elbows when your starting front court is Zion and Jonas Valanciunas no it doesn't make heaps of sense is Larry Nance a really good player who's really versatile and 10 million dollars a year is not that much for him yes so I think you lock him up on good money and you figure the rest out later yeah I mean I said it to you at the deadline last year where if you had traded for Larry Nance the Phoenix Suns I said I was going to pick you guys to win the title because I just think he just adds so much versatility to your to your roster. He can play the four, he can play the five, he can play the three in a pinch. He has been asked to play the three in a pinch. I think he showed in the playoffs. If he was in Chicago, he'd probably play the two. <laughs> that was a good. That was a good one. Thanks. Um, but I just think he's a really versatile role player, and like, yeah, it's like it's a bit like Maxi Kleber. It's like Maxi Kleber's awesome. Well, you're not going to put him out there and expect to have like a Rudy Gobert level defense. But he's a role player who plays better than everyone else, making his money, and he does his job excellently. Um, fucking great, great deal of business by a friend of the program, David <laughs> Griffin. <laughs> wow, there was a minute there. There was a minute there, like late. Well, we call it late 2021. Yeah. Or was it earlier than that? Well, when I wrote Fire David Griffin. Yeah, well, that, you know, you wrote you wrote that article, which you can still find in the archives on thedeadtree.com. Page Can't eight. believe it's Page not eight. yes, sir. Can't believe it is. How got that old got thing? Got that old thing. <laughs> um, lost my train of thought. Why? Is it the old thing? No, part? but there was, there, like, there was, like, a few months there where, where not only were we absolutely hooping and hollering... <laughs> For David hooting, Griffin, hooting and hollering, hooting and hollering. No, I said hooping because it's a freaking basketball podcast. <laughs> hooting and hollering because we're in Narlands. For David Griffin's head, not only his resignation, but his head. We didn't like him as a person, which we would mount on a spike or some other Game vertical object. Yeah, I watched House of the Dragon last night, so I yeah, got violence on my mind. Yeah, it's a great episode. Yeah. Turn the brightness up, though. Fuck no. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> but you want to see the incest? There was, <laughs> there was like a three to four month period where not only was that happening, but also like surely David Griffin was realistically in danger of losing his job. Yeah. Because everything had gone wrong yeah. and he had made so many stupid decisions. Yeah. That some of them were stupid. Uh, and are still stupid. But he's kind of maybe been drinking from the fountain of James Jones. You popularized the fountain of McNair. Which, which fuck, isn't very popular. Turned out, <laughs> turned out to be poisoned. Someone had, <laughs> someone had thrown bodies into the water of the fountain of McNair. No, fuck. Keegan Murray's going to be the next LeBron James. But James Jones initially came in and, you know, made some pretty head-scratching decisions that some of them were just downright bad and some of them appeared to be awful in the moment but have actually come good yeah um and he's proven himself to be really good since since that moment where there was a danger of the head on the spike <laughs> um pretty much everything's gone right for him um yeah and I, <coughs> I saw this after the off season which was shared by um it was it was a graphic shared by basketball forever um, it had Trey Murphy, Dyson Daniels, Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram, Larry Nance, Najee Marshall, Zion Williamson, and let's throw Garrett Temple in there for the vibes. All of those players, eight players between 6'5 and 6'9. It's like, this is what the Warriors did. It works. Switchable defense. We just talked about how Larry, Larry Nance is a really good role player there. Zion looks really good in preseason. We're not going to talk much about preseason, but he looks good. He looks healthy. He looks jumpy. Um, he had this nice little spin move today, and I think it was... On um, Paddy Williams. Paddy Williams, yeah. Paddy Williams looked like his feet were stuck in mud on yeah, that play. fucking shut up, man. Give him a minute. He hasn't played basketball in a while. Um, yeah. Also... For good reason. Me me watching him, me watching him struggle, was just like, trust the process, Sean. you got to buy more once his value goes down. Yeah. Buy more Patrick Williams cards. I think that's great investment advice. Um... Yeah, it's it's looking all right in New Orleans. Yeah, it's looking all right. But we will criticize the second it doesn't go right. No, the head is the head is going to be on a spike. He's still the opportunity sitting in the guillotine. Himself. The guillotine. Um, all right. Well, should we wrap it up there? Um, well, we're both I'll, stretching already, so I'll, well. I'll talk to you next week, and hopefully by then we've got some news to report on the uh, the Josh Dunkley to the Brisbane Lions trade front. Yeah. Uh, AFL trade season is well and truly kicked off. Griffin Logue to North Melbourne this morning. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Brisbane made a pick swap with I think Melbourne. We traded number fifteen mm-hmm. for number twenty-one and a future second-round pick, just trying to get enough draft capital that we can trade for Josh Dunkley from the Dogs, who's an absolute gun. Contested ball winner. You got a coach? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, and then also match Will Ashcroft wherever he gets bitted on in the father son for the draft. We've got to have enough draft capital for that. Um, but could be a bit of a midfield overhaul, much needed midfield overhaul coming this off season because during the season, you know, we finished we finished fifth, we finished sixth actually, which is pretty shit, but we we're pretty good most of the season against the best teams. Just a couple, of, a couple of blokes in there, Jared Lyons, Dane Zorko, not really getting their head over the footy, not really winning the contested ball. Josh Dunkley, he'll change all that. Anyway, oh, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you next week with hopefully some <laughs> hopefully some news to report. Well, we'll just, just watch some pre-season games. I fucking don't like footy, man. Yeah, well, I love it. And this is half my podcast, as you you, you <laughs> won out before. So I'm going to buy 1% off you. Rob Sava style. I'd oh, see um, Shaq said he might be interested in buying the um, 
Phoenix Suns. How much money do you reckon Shaq has? Do you reckon he has four billion dollars? I know he's at least got one point five million from the week he spent in Melbourne. <laughs> so there's a start, hey. <laughs> All, right. Up. All right. Uh, <laughs> we were over the moon when we first heard that the NBA was going to be televised on Australian free to air TV in the 2019-20 season. It didn't exactly go swimmingly with the nasty cough halting the season and games getting cancelled left, right and centre, but it was a huge step and an exciting one for basketball fans all across the country. Better yet, it wasn't a commercial channel cashing in on some basketball nerds like us. It was SBS, one of our public broadcasters. Unfortunately, the NBA wasn't the only thing SBS was pushing last season. They also ran advertisements from Sportsbet, Ladbroke, Bet365, BetEasy and Neds, some of the biggest sports betting companies in Australia. In a one step forwards, two steps backwards move, SBS has dropped the ball here. As a public broadcaster, SBS plays a key role in providing relevant, culturally appropriate health information to local communities. The last thing SBS should be doing is offering a platform for gambling companies during the most financially unstable time in recent memory. This past year, men aged 18 to 24 made up 79% of new gambling account holders with increased median spending and frequency of bets. This is the last thing we should be spending our money on given the financial uncertainty that comes with the pandemic. During COVID lockdowns, wagering companies spent more money on advertising and incentives to gamble, and it worked. SBS needs to hear from viewers that gambling ad revenue isn't worth the harm it causes. Call on the SBS chair, George Savitas, to put community health ahead of gambling revenue by signing the petition at www.endgamblingads.org.au forward slash get gambling off SBS with hyphens in between.